Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. You'll stand with me. I'm going to read uh, a verse this morning, the uh, the the. BCP that I try to follow all through all the lectionary reading out of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 1. I almost titled this message, uh, Joseph, Jesus, and You. And I decided maybe not uh, save that for a But anyway, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, open our eyes, illuminate our hearts, cause us to see beyond that which we have already understood, to receive revelation afresh this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I won't do that first clip, Lucas. I I think that what we learn as a child affects us all the way through our lives. Would you agree that what the traditions and the experience that that we have as a child continue to shape and mold us even well into our adulthood? And that by the time we reach adults, the mystery, the awe, the magic, if you will, uh, the imagination has been squelched and all we're left with reason. It's no wonder to me that Christianity has lost its awe to the world or that Christmas has lost its meaning because we've been able to snuff out dreamers by the time they reach about 21 or 22. These kids are still, but but we kind of rub out that ability to believe in a story or a mystery. And I think one of the things we have to do is recognize that without men who could put their logic on hold and allow God to speak through them through a dream, uh, the scriptures as we read them would never have taken place. And the scriptures are filled with men who God worked with by giving them dreams that lots of what God articulated and started began in the dream. The Abraham had a dream. Uh, and in that dream, he had to trust God about how to forge ahead and to leave uh, the surroundings of comfort and move into the challenges that God had for him. And I think like most men, it's hard for us to to think outside of our comfort zone. So I joked about it last week. This week I'm actually talking about how sometimes God puts men specifically into a dream state so he can bypass their arguments. And yet Abraham had a dream and moved beyond. How, How about Jacob? Uh, Jacob had to turn to God and, and it says there was a dream that allowed him to be able to move forward into returning into that relationship with his own brother or Jacob's son named Joseph. We've just read about the gospel and 
Mary's husband. But Jacob's son, Joseph, you remember that kid, the one of 12 that had that dream where people would bow down before him? He had, you remember this story in the Old Testament? And, and his brothers got mad at him because he had that dream. And so they threw him in the pit. He became a slave. And yet it's because of his dream that his family was saved. Remember? His name was Joseph as well. Can you catch the correlation that the Joseph of the Old Testament had a dream that would ultimately save his family and all the Jewish people? And now this Joseph, he's having a dream and it's going to save Mary and that child and ultimately the world. Can you catch it? Do you understand that Mary's husband's father-in-law's name was Jacob? You'll get it in a minute. God has such an irony sense of humor when he catch the parallels between how God uses Jojo's in the Bibles and he does it through dreams. See, we dismiss dreams or we play with them. I have people all the time coming up to me and tell me, can you interpret this? And they'll tell me a dream and I'll say, that's not a dream. That's a nightmare. And God doesn't use nightmares. He doesn't come into you and scare the bejeebies out of you to tell you he's doing something. In fact, every dream in the Bible begins with don't be afraid. So if you're having nightmares, that's not of God. If you can't get over the fear of it, you, you need to rebuke that. These are, these are dreams about how God is wanting you to participate in his rescue mission of humanity. And, and, and he wants you to be engaged in the process of him ministering to other human beings. And I have always been a little concerned about how the Christmas story overlooks Joseph. He just gets continually overlooked and he has four dreams of which we fail to make a lot of. Joseph, he, he, there's little known about him. There's only 16 verses in the Bible that mention him. 16. Uh, and, and there's nothing ever written that he uttered a word. There's not one thing that said, Joseph said anything. In fact, the only thing you really pick up about Joseph is that the Jews discredited him. Basically by saying, isn't, isn't this the carpenter's son? That, that he was of such a low position and he worked with his hands. Uh, I, I actually think Joseph was probably a man's man. Uh, I think he was a faithful man. I think he was an honorable man. Um, I've often wondered why would God choose this kind of man to be the stepfather of his son. I, I, I've literally stopped and pondered God the Father chose Mary, but he also chose Joseph. What are the attributes or the character of this man that allowed him to mentor, to, to take care of those early years, do it in silence, and, and live outside of the limelight? Why didn't God choose a priest? Why didn't God choose an educated man or a physician or a businessman or even an architect, a, a, a carpenter? Someone that, and you've got to realize most houses were built out of stone. We're, we're talking about somebody who made doors. Chairs, tables, shutters. It wasn't really that he built buildings. It was that he... I think it's because if you remember the story about how God choose, chose a king for Israel, he didn't choose the tall, good-looking ones. Remember Samuel going? And, and, and Samuel kept looking at Jesse going, No, not that one. No, not that one. Well, don't you have a... And they said, No, we got that shepherd out there in the field. But he, you don't... See, God looks at the heart and not the outward appearance. 
God always sees into the character of someone. And so if we stop and think in an appreciative way for just a moment, we got to understand that God chose Joseph because no doubt of the type of man that he was and is. I've, I've often wondered when Christ was talking about the prodigal son and finding his way home, if he was thinking about Joseph at all. I've often wondered if when he was talking about the importance of truth, if he was thinking about the integrity of Joseph the carpenter. I've, I've, I've sat and wondered that when he talked about humble service, if he was thinking about his humble stepfather, Joseph. You see, it doesn't take a scientist or a psychologist very long, and you can go find all kinds of quotes about how the psychology of a child is shaped in large part by the father, and that our view of God is shaped in large part by the father figure in our life, that we as fathers play a huge role in the ability of our children to receive or to reject the mercy of a father. I, I think Joseph must have intentionally taught and modeled love and faith and faithfulness. I stand here this morning and I wonder if dads, sometimes Christmas moves by us because mom does most of the shopping and cooking and cleaning and decorating. Moms do most of that. And yet, could I just say to us that even though there's nothing written about us of anything we said and we seem off the page, I wonder how important it is the role that men play in the life of raising children to know that they're children of God. What are we teaching our children? What's the image we're painting? And this is how the birth of Jesus took place. When Mary, the mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to humiliate her. So he decided to call their engagement off quietly. You see, the, the, the genealogy found in Matthew begins with Abraham because Matthew wanted to relate to us that they understood that they were in the genealogy of the dynasty of David who had been promised to have a son that would sit on his throne forever. But Matthew does something very interesting in his genealogy. He includes these four women that nobody wanted to talk about, Tamara, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. I think Matthew does that because in response to the illegitimacy of Mary's pregnancy, he, he, Matthew was trying to show to the Jews that God always knows how to use things that don't seem appropriate. That God's not looking for perfect people and that God can take something very inappropriate, very culturally Mm, and he can use it. And, and that genealogy of Matthew is the only one of its kind that includes that misfit kind of character. I think that is in response to this whole idea of Mary's uh, ill repute and the nature. But notice Joseph's response to the message. He didn't want to humiliate her. You see, in those days, if Mary came up pregnant, if by the law she was to be stoned, but if a woman came up pregnant during the betrothal and it was actually the result of an inappropriate consummation prior to the wedding, then the gentleman could do one of two things. He could go ahead and marry her very quickly, kind of like we do. Just go ahead and marry her very quickly. And everybody would know that it was really not her, it was him. And the marriage would go on. And, and, or 
if he, if he put her away quietly, what would happen is that he would leave her her diary or the bride price. And he would, he would leave that to her. And he'd just, basically, what he was saying was, I slept with her, but I didn't like her. And so I decided, but it wasn't her fault. I forced myself on her. And so he would take the shame and the ridicule and the, man, that sounds honorable, doesn't it? That sounds like a man that walked in mercy and compassion. I mean, you, he didn't want to humiliate her. He, he just put it away quietly, and he'll just take the rebuke of the community. Wow. Do you catch that? You, we don't catch that, do we? All these years we read that, and we don't realize he was willing to be the one that was scorned. He was willing to cover and to forgive and to... I wonder... Hmm. Wonder what kind of signal that sends to wonder what kind of care that sends and models. And he did all of it because of a dream. Here's the nutty thing. I mean, it says he thought about putting her away, and so he was going to put her away compassionately, and he laid down that afternoon, and an angel of the Lord appeared and said, Well, I don't want you to do that. I want you to marry her. I want you to live with her as your wife, and I want you to understand that what's coming is this son, and his name is Jesus, and you name him. You name him. And that, without that dream, there would be no Bethlehem story. Without that dream, there would be no away in the manger. Without that dream, I often wonder if men have the capability, number one, of being compassionate, and number two, then, you do realize that if you don't have the ability to be compassionate and have mercy on people, you're probably never going to get visited by angels. Just saying. One of four dreams, the dream that, yes, this is of God. And number two, you need to go to Egypt. And number three, you can go home to Nazareth, but don't ever return to Judea. Uh, uh, the dreams that go on here that align in the life of what Jesus would eventually do for us and through us, Joseph's quiet trust in the providence of God and the recognition that God was wanting to work in his life to accomplish God's will. Wow, we need more Joseph who have this quiet trust in the providence of God and that God might be using simple things we do to bring about his plan and purposes in the lives of of not only our children, but in the world himself. This Joseph, this one who the Lord speaks to and says, don't be afraid. I, I think we've misunderstood that verse for many years. I don't think he was saying, don't be afraid of the angel. I think he was saying, don't be afraid of the assignment. Don't be afraid of the mission. Don't, don't be afraid of the calling that I've put on your life. How many of you ever had God speak to you to do something, but you were just scared out of your mind to do it? I, I can remember Ashley was about two months old, moved to Hutchinson. I was scared out of my mind. I wasn't afraid of God. I was afraid of the assignment. Uh, I, Jonah was so afraid he ran. Uh, I mean, I, I was afraid uh, go on a missions trip. I can remember those few first missions trips. I I wasn't afraid of God. I was afraid I couldn't do what God was calling me to do. Have you ever asked, had God call you to do something? You, just, you weren't afraid of God. You were just afraid that you could measure up to that reality. Start a child care 26 years ago. I, 
right now in my life, go do chaplain work. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty good at what I do. I don't want to. When's the last time God asked you to do something that you were just afraid of the assignment? It was outside of your comfort zone. Christmas should remind us that God is always speaking to unknown people to do things in a way that we all go. Don't you remember Moses? I can't do that. We all have excuses. We all have reasons why you ought to pick somebody else, Lord. Somebody else could surely go there and wrap gifts or go Thursday or, or somebody else could take that job. So we, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to miss those holy nudges of God that come to us in some of the most unique ways. I think Christmas is a time to stop and ask, God, what are you speaking to me that I've been afraid to respond to? It is very interesting to me how Mary was obviously available and aware of the supernatural, but so is Joseph. I told you last week, Mary was available and she was aware of supernatural and she paid attention. So did Joseph. Joseph, he, he was available and he was aware that God had made promises and they only were going to be fulfilled in supernatural ways. If God calls me to anything, I have to also trust that God has a supernatural spiritual presence that will accomplish in me things that I know I can't on my own. Don't be afraid. I'll empower you with the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you and appreciate the journey a little bit. Next week, I think I'm going to talk about journey. If we pay attention to these things. Of course, that comes back to, do you believe in your own dreams? Maybe it comes back to, do you have any? Um, I, are we awake or are we just, you know, you do understand that I, I think I've done enough work this morning that dreams are the impetus of all action. Martin Luther stood up and said, I have a dream. Dreams are the impetus. And, and some of you are going to miss this, but that I have a dream speech that he gave so many years ago is still the impetus of action that is still going on because it has not yet been fulfilled. And so many of us dismiss the dreams of other people because they weren't our dreams. Remember, they, they, they sold the first Joseph and they shot Martin. People want to kill people with dreams. That's why I think maybe we're afraid to dream. Or maybe we get old enough and we think, I don't have to dream. <laughs> Listen, I'm dreaming dreams now that I know my children will fulfill. I, I, and I'm sharing those because Christmas makes me recover the reality that I need to dream. And when I run into people that cannot seem to dream, I know that the spirit of Christmas is lost. When I bump into people and they can't find Jesus in the movie Elf, when they can't watch It's a Wonderful Life, when they can't find the magic of Jesus in the midst of all of that, I think, oh, you've lost the spirit of Christmas. When you can't walk through the mall and be excited that people are buying something for their kids or their grandkids, bah, humbug, you've lost the spirit of Christmas. I had somebody today call me. I was on my phone. I called me. I said, you're going to have Santa in your church? And I said, well, yeah. Well, we are not coming. And I thought, bah humbug, hell is open. <laughs> and I'm very serious. 
the, 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 the oh, I'm just going to fight against the cult. You've got to be kidding me. A guy in a red suit with a beard that represents St. Nick, whose tradition is he bought gifts for the poor people in that community in about the 4th century, and you've lost that simply because you don't know your history? That just speaks of ignorance to me. It just speaks I've got to be against something. I've got to be opposed to something. Now, I'm not saying that there's not consumerism gone amok. I, I agree with you. It's gone amok, and, and Target and Walmart, and everybody's using it to sell stuff, but I don't need to be robbed of the truth of it, right? I don't need to miss that reality because I don't want to lose the spirit of Christmas. I don't want to lose the magic, the dream, the joy, the... I mean, my own grandson, I have to watch the whole movie. <laughs> right? And if you watch the movie, buddy, it's about this... this, this oversized adult kid trying to find his way back to his father. A, there's a great story there. My goodness, be able to use the story and tell Jesus in the story. I mean, I, I can use anything to tell the story of Jesus because it's my story. My challenge to you, I suppose, this morning as I run out of time is that God still is looking for Joseph's. He's still looking for people who, if they think about it, they, oh, let me just put her away quietly. I mean, but in that action, the angel of the Lord shows up and begins to dream through him. What if this child really is? I wonder how many times Joseph was working on a chair and thought, I really hope that dream was real. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those? I have a dream, but then maybe it was a bad day, and I think well, maybe... Or, you know, we're moving all the way from Bethlehem to Egypt. Oh, I hope this, I hope it wasn't the falafel. You know. <laughs> Have you ever had a falafel? They're awful. <laughs> They're just bad. But I mean, you know, or, or maybe he's coming home from Egypt. And, you know, he is, from, you do understand, Joseph's hometown is Bethlehem. N Nazareth is where she lived. Okay, you can go home now because the people that wanted to kill him are gone. And then he has another dream on the way home. And he goes, yeah, but not to your hometown. I want you to go live with your in-laws. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> I married the girl. And, and see, they think that I slept with her before the wedding. At, wouldn't you love to walk into that Jewish mother's house? We've been away for two years. But Joseph had another dream. <laughs> And now we're moving back to now. You, you, you just got to, can you, <laughs> you didn't get it. Uh, but it, we just need a few more Josephs that are willing to trust the providence of God to speak these things into our very complicated lives. Can you imagine the last time we hear mention of Joseph is when they lost him in Jerusalem. He's 13. You remember this? They had gone to the temple, and now they're headed home, and they turn around, and, you know, the 12, 13-year-old's lost, and they, go, they rush back to find him, and they go, what are you doing? And Jesus looks at his stepfather, the man that had the dream, the man that covered the tale, and says, well, I had to be about my father's business. Wonder if that hurt, Joseph. 
See, we read these stories and we forget we're talking about real people. We're talking about real people in real situations. And we hear the story and we, and we don't stop and say, what is God speaking to me as a man who should probably be having dreams and participating in God's plan for humanity? Because his plan isn't over. There are still people that he wants to save. Still people that he wants to touch with the message of the good news of the Christ. And the Lord's still looking for Mary's and Joseph's. And if you're a woman, I, I'll preach about Mary. This, this is about, right? I can't. He's still looking for Joseph's and shepherds and innkeepers unlikely people looking for Bethlehems, you know, Yoders and Severies and just unlikely out of the way places to birth an unlikely prince of peace, a baby in swaddling clothes. God uses these individuals and these locations that seemingly have no significance in the life of the moment wise men that are Persian astrologers? Are you kidding me? That would be like Muslims coming from you, you, you do understand the story how bizarre it is. What it means is that God can speak to people who are willing to suspend their reason and their logic and just dream for a moment what if God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life? That's a big dream to believe that that would be for shepherds and Josephs and Persians from afar, that it would be for thieves and adulteresses that it would be for sinners and tax collectors. What a dream that we ought to treat every day like Christmas, that there's room on the list for everyone, and that we ought to sing this story loud and clear so that all could hear. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.